You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Good to see you, Bruce. How are you today? I'll see you alive. Yeah. Good, good. We've got a lot to talk about today. I don't know where to start. I, I really don't know where to start. Do you want to get the Afghanistan stuff out of the way, or do you want to start with COVID? Which one do you want to do? I'll give you the choice. Let's go straight into the worst of it, shall we? Let's just go... The worst of it. Straight well, into Afghanistan. Straight into yeah. Afghanistan. Okay. Uh, you'll go straight... We'll go straight into Afghanistan. So... Uh, let's start with this. There is an Afghan interpreter, which these are some of the uh, the SIV people, the um, uh, the people we were looking to get out that worked with us that we left behind. Uh, apparently, there's an there's an Afghan interpreter who saved Biden in Afghanistan. He's now stranded there, so we weren't able to get him out. An Afghan interpreter who helped in the 2008 rescue of Senator Joe Biden and two other senators from a valley in Afghanistan was among the thousands that were left behind. Well, nothing says uh, thank you for saving my life like leaving you in a war-torn country now, does it? Biden doesn't even know. Like, he doesn't, he's not aware enough to know. He's just doing as he's told. He is. We'll get into it today as to why a lot of these politicians are doing what they're told. Because I did some digging today, and we're going to take you back. We're going to take you back pre 2000, pre the year 2000. And that should shed some light on a lot of what we're seeing now, because all of this is connected. Whether you think COVID and, and Afghanistan are connected or not, uh, if you think that that's not joined at the hip, if you will, then you're sorely mistaken. And you'll understand why as we talk about it further today. But this uh, this gentleman that was left behind, Muhammad, whose last name has not been revealed. This is according to the New York Post. All right. So obviously they're not going to give last names because, well, uh, if you give a last name over there right now, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And no thanks to the State Department. Uh, but Muhammad is a very common name over there. So you're not really going to, uh, you know, what, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to round up two thirds of the country over there. I mean, it's, he gave a message for President Joe Biden through the Wall Street Journal on Tuesday. And I'm quoting here. Hello, Mr. President. Save me and my family. Don't forget me here. He's hiding from the Taliban after attempting to have escape Afghanistan for years. He and his family are among many Afghan allies who were unable to evacuate the country by the time the U.S. troops completed their full withdrawal on Monday. I heard that there were rounds of applause and high fives all around at the White House as that plane was leaving. You people don't have anything to be celebrating. Nothing. And then you got to sit there and you got to watch this dumbass and all of his, uh, his posse out there on the airport tarmac wearing masks when they're all supposed to be double vaccinated, looking at his watch not one time, but five times. He and Austin don't even bother to salute when the caskets come by. I'll do you one better. And it's not it's not just them. I'll do you one better. Do you remember the clip we played yesterday of the mother of the slain Marine that called into the radio yeah. show and blamed not just Biden, but all of the Democrats that voted for Biden? Mm -hmm. Facebook decided they were going to remove her post when she put that up there on her Facebook page and on her Instagram account. 
you tech companies, what in the hell gives you the right to take something like that down? Who, who in the hell are you people? These, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to color within the lines here. I'm trying to keep within our TOS here because I don't have words to describe how these ungrateful little bastards at these tech companies, how do you morons sleep at night? I, I got to sit here and, and the world has to sit here and we have to watch Mark Zuckerberg on a, on a wave board out in the middle of the Pacific carrying an American flag that he pisses all over every day with his company. He's thankful to be an American. Well, he sure doesn't act like it. His company sure doesn't act like it. And that's, that goes the same for Jack Dorsey over at Twitter. These are pencil neck loser kids that were given money by special interest groups to start these companies. The same thing with Bill Gates, although Bill Gates is a little bit more nefarious when it comes to his money. We know where his money comes from. But this gentleman that was left in Afghanistan, sir, I sympathize with that. I do. I, I sympathize with that, of course. Those are the types of people we need to get out of there. But at the same time, we're throwing our own citizens to the wolves as well. They don't care about our citizens any more than they care about this gentleman and his family. So I get where he's coming from. I, I get that. I understand that. But what was done here was done intentionally. And it was done in cold blood. This uh, the, the way it went down uh, again, I, I can't even I can't see this as being just incompetence. Everyone knows this is uh, we, we, we've said it before. Nature abhors a, a vacuum. This happens in science. I mean, I don't understand how this this law that we see happen in the physical world, just as much as in the social environments. This is this is something we see happen all the time. When you pull out of a country like this, you're only empowering uh, the warlords, the the terrorists, the you know name your name your group. Uh, it's whoever's uh, the 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 ones you were fighting. You're empowering them because you're showing yourself weak. When we pulled out. We should have bombed the hell out of Taliban because they showed their face. And then once we got out and got all our people out and then got all of the, the those that helped us out, you should have bombed the hell out of the Taliban again. And the, the thing about it is, though, you remember that bombing that we hit the, the, the tuk tuk and supposedly we killed yeah. the two. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. Did, did you did you hear the uh, some of the details on that? Ten civilians died. I did hear that the civilians died. I heard it was hit in a residential area, yes. But they failed to mention that on the night of the drone strike. They failed to mention that part. Yeah. Yeah, they failed to mention that part. And they also failed to mention that they're not even sure that those guys were, in fact, the planners, like they said. Which is exactly um, what I asked yesterday. Where's your intelligence for what you did? Exactly. Don't, don't, get, don't they, get me wrong. Don't I don't have I'm, any. Yeah, that's just they don't they don't have any. I, I'm all about going and getting the bad guys and getting our people out. Don't misunderstand me on that. But you need to make sure that you're going to hit the right target if you're going to do something like that. At the same time, see, I, I have to kind of war with myself here because I get why that that kind of stuff is done. But at the same time, you have to also understand, take it from a position of not just myself, but other Americans that are operating throughout the world. You put us in a very dangerous situation when you do that. I don't care if it's Donald Trump. I don't care if it's George Bush, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton. I, I don't care. I don't care who's sitting in that chair. 
when that call comes in and that order gets made and that person gets taken out, that's going to piss off a lot of people in that region and around the world in the cells that they have operating throughout the world. And they are just foaming at the mouth to get their hands on an American for some ransom money. When you do that as a sitting president, no matter who it is, you put myself and 350 million other Americans at risk. So I don't appreciate it when you do that with intelligence, least of all without it, because you're not just doing it to take out one bad guy. You're putting all of our lives in danger because these people don't forget. You think they forgot about Qasem Soleimani? I assure you they didn't. They turned the man into a martyr. Or did you not see the funeral processions that were going through Tehran that night? You didn't get too much of a preview of it in the United States because all of that is censored. However, outside of the United States, we get access to that information. This is a very trying time for the administration, as you well know, Bruce. This is a very trying time. The, he's under a lot of pressure, Biden. He's, he's under uh, a lot of pressure. Yeah. You notice he comes out yeah. and he... He gives these uh, he addresses the nation. He gives these speeches at, uh, you know, some crazy old man up there yelling at the podium. It, it, he did nothing yesterday except blame Donald Trump for everything that happened. That's all he did. He's out there making a statement. He, he was 45 minutes late to the podium, first of all. That's the first thing. The second thing, you're doing it at three in the afternoon, East Coast time. It's lunchtime in L.A., and how many people you have living out there? You've got a third of the population living on the West Coast. They're not going to be watching that at one o'clock in the afternoon. Why aren't you doing this at prime time? He's asleep. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's barely awake enough to get him out there to do that. So in usual fashion, he comes out and he gives some ridiculous speech blaming everyone except for himself and his administration and the State Department and all the incompetence there. And he slunks out the back door and... He's had a tough week. He's had a tough week. So he's decided to leave the White House for a weekend getaway. I guess he's he's thinking the same thing as, um, as Secretary of State Blinken. He's off at his house somewhere with his feet up in front of a fireplace in the Hamptons with a glass of whiskey in his hand. Who knows? I mean, I don't even know if the man drinks, but whatever. I'm just painting the picture here. And so Biden has now announced that uh, the day after, the day after the 13 service members were killed and the bodies were brought back, he's now going to, uh, well, he's, he's going to go for a weekend getaway. Uh, he will spend the weekend in Wilmington. I guess he needs some sleep. I guess he's not sleeping very well at the White House. So um, I guess he's he's going to go back and hide in his basement back in Wilmington. I suppose that's where he's going to go. The Associated Press reporter Zeke Miller took to Twitter on Wednesday to announce that Biden will be spending the weekend in Wilmington, Delaware. I'm curious. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the dog story I was telling you about I saw the pictures um, today. How they, yeah, not 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 the not the not the fifty dogs. The uh, the, the the one about uh, Biden's dog. How it how oh, it yeah. hit the, ser the secret yeah, yeah. service and yeah, 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 we were talking. Yeah, we were talking about service. Last night. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, because he was willing to lie about that, such a small thing, saying it was only one secret service, it turned out to be eight, and then it turns out that the the dog had bitten multiple other staff members at their home. They're lying about that. So he's unable to sleep. So he's going back. He's going on vacation, whatever. What's really going on? Because they were lying to us about the dog. Such a, a minor insignificant thing. And yet, I mean, on the grand scale of things, it's minor. But to the people that were bitten, it's probably not so minor. But what's really going on? Is there some kind of health issue? Is there some kind of what, what, what's I mean, we know it's a health issue because look at the guy. He's barely self-aware. What are they not telling us? I think I might have an answer for that question, but we'll get to that in a little bit. And the reason I say we'll get to it in a little bit is because, well, it's part of the other section that you said you didn't want to start with. I have answers for all of these things. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Because after today, at the end of this podcast, I'm not saying that this is what is going on or 
there's some giant uh, conspiracy or whatever. That's for you to decide. I'm going to present you with the information that I found today, and then you make your own mind up. That's up to you. You're going to listen to some of the audio that I have dug up today that I spent a good deal of time trying to find today because it was bugging me. But we're going to go over that stuff. You ask what they're not telling us. I think what they're not telling us is what we already know. Do you remember when I was talking? I've talked a couple of times just in passing here the last couple of couple of weeks about what Zbigniew Brzezinski said. He said, for the first time in all of human history, mankind is politically awake and they are not staring at the politicians any longer. They're staring at the elite. The elite know that they are the ones that are being looked at. And more than that, they know that we know. So what are they not telling us? You're right. What are they not telling us? What they're not telling us is what we already know. They're just not saying it. But I'll get to that shortly. Uh, this just in, North Korea has just rejected an offer of almost 3 million COVID-19 vaccines per the United Nations. Uh-huh. But they're not too worried about vaccine passports in North Korea, are they? We'll talk about COVID here shortly. Okay. But because of this debacle now, be because of all this, there are now calls that are coming out seamlessly in the mainstream about Biden's approval. I mean, it is just, it is way down there. They're saying he's now at 48%. I don't buy those numbers. I, I don't buy those numbers. I, I don't buy that at all. I think he's a lot lower than that. All they're doing is just flipping the data. Uh, this guy has a presidential inauguration with what, six people standing in an intersection somewhere? Th this guy can't get, no, no, no. he can't get 13 people in, in a in a parking lot socially distanced in a hula hoop contest. He, he No, he, he's the most popular, the most voted for president yeah. in American history. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. There's a there's a poll out today that says that according to public opinion and the approval ratings and everything, they're saying that uh, this according to Rasmussen. All right. Rasmussen, uh, they have polls out. All right. You know, they're, they're pretty decent when it comes to polling stuff, but you can't rely on everything when it comes to polls. You, you just can't. But they're a pretty good indication from time to time when you're looking at gauging a certain uh, aspect of people's opinion. This one happens to be towards Biden resigning. Should he resign? I say not only should he resign, the entire administration and the entire State Department needs to resign. And, and I'm not talking about just the people at the top. I'm talking about everybody, all of them, every last one of them, down to the people that go out and get the damn coffee. Resign. Get lost. All of you. And while we're at it, let's just get all of the people over at the DOD to resign, too. We don't need all those people. Well, apparently we've finished our mission in Afghanistan. We don't need them anymore, do we? I mean, they, they are part of the State Department, so... They are part of the State Department, yeah. And to be quite honest with you, when you start looking around at the salaries that some of these people make at the DOD, we don't need to be spending all that money. $80,000 for someone to take out trash cans in an office. $80,000 for that. 80000 a year to empty a trash can. That's unbelievable. You talk about waste. You talk about taking out the trash. So the problem that this now becomes is Biden resigns. Guess what you're stuck with? You're stuck with that cackling idiot, that 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 clown. That's what you're stuck with. Someone tried to ask her, one of these, these media idiots tried to ask her on the tarmac when she was in the Philippines last week, what is your response about Americans that are stranded in Afghanistan? And she laughs. Lady, laughing should be the last thing on your mind. That should be the furthest thing from anything on your mind. As soon as that debacle happened, if I'm any kind of a person with any sort of integrity or self-respect, I am on the phone. I am I'm waking people up in the dead of night. I don't care who I piss off. I don't care what general is sleeping. You wake his ass up. We have a problem. No, if you were in any kind of position of power, you wouldn't have allowed that to happen the way it went down. 
that this too. wouldn't have been a debacle in the first place. That too. But being in the position of the vice president, I mean, obviously you're in an advisory role there. So, I mean, you would kind of, well, you're technically in an advisory role. You're not supposed to be. The vice president, for those that don't know, the vice president is not supposed to do anything. They're supposed to preside over the Senate. That's all they're supposed to do. And they are supposed to break a tie when they are 50 of 50. That's all they're supposed to do. They have no other job. I mean, if I were the vice president and this were going down, I'd still, even if I'm a do nothing, I would like make it well known that my advice was not to do what he did and, you know, make it clear. I mean, it, yeah. say it's a political move or whatever. Uh, I just want like, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah. I would, I would get as far away from this as I could. Yeah, that, that's a good point. With the way that things are now, what are we talking about keeping with tradition and the vice president's not supposed to do anything? When's the last time you saw a vice president that didn't do anything? So who am I kidding? You're right. You're right. I would be all over these ridiculous dying mainstream media networks raising a stink about all of it. I'd be saying, look, I, I'm not involved in this in any way, shape or form, and I'm publicly decrying what's going on here. I'm not for this. Uh, and if it means that I have to tender my resignation as vice president, then so damn well be it. I'm not going to be anywhere near this thing. You know, that used to not be a, a concern, if you will. Back in the day, the vice president was first place loser or, or also known as second place. So when the election happened, let's say Biden won, Trump would have been the vice president. That's how they did it back in the day. And there were no resignations of the vice president unless it was a impeachment and they, he was removed. Same situation here. It should be the case. But unfortunately, we're we're doing this nonsense now. There was there was a great um, balance that that brought that we've lost. We've lost a lot of our balancing mechanisms that we, we, we had in the past. Uh, you have two competing individuals against each other now in the in office. So anytime something happens and it is bad for the country or it's it, you're going to have the opposite, the opposition standing in front of the media saying, this is what happened. This is what I said. And the media would or, or the people at least would be more informed about what's going on in the administration. You don't have the entire administration being Democrat or Republican. And then, uh, you know, they, they, they side with their party and keep their mouth shut when something bad happens and, and it, you know, blow things out of proportion when it's a good thing and make it bigger than it is. Are you saying the government doesn't take things seriously? Yeah, in a nutshell. Yeah, I, I would say they don't take it. I don't think they take things seriously. I, I think they think we're pawns and uh, like to play games. Yeah, yeah. But again, that goes to a larger point, which we'll get to shortly. The National Security Advisor lays out a plan for providing aid to the Taliban. You couldn't make this up. You could not make this up. We're going to now provide aid to the Taliban. Apparently this morning there's a food crisis over there. Gee, I don't know how that happened. Bruce, do you have any idea how Afghanistan could have ended up in a food crisis? Do you have any idea how that could have happened? Uh, I, it, it certainly could not have been the fact that we pulled our troops out of there and gave rise to the Taliban. Because clearly the Taliban are a different people now. They care about women and their educational futures and, you know, people's lives. Mm. They're, they're humanitarians. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. Jake Sullivan on ABC talking about, should we give the Taliban aid? We're going to work with the Taliban. Does that include the prospect of giving them aid? 
Well, first of all, we do believe that there is an important dimension of humanitarian assistance that should go directly to the people of Afghanistan. They need help with respect to health and food aid and other forms of subsistence, and we do intend to continue that. Secondly, when it comes to our economic and development assistance relationship with the Taliban, that will be about the Taliban's actions. It will be about whether they follow through on their commitments, their commitments to safe passage for Americans and Afghan allies, their commitment to not allow Afghanistan to be uh, a, a base from which terrorists can attack the United States or any other country, their commitments with respect to upholding their international obligations. It's going to be up to them, and, and we will wait and see by their actions how we end up responding uh, in terms of the economic and development assistance. So this little pencil neck bastard, and that's where he comes from. He comes from these little universities. He needs to be grabbed up by that stupid tie on his neck, and he needs to be jerked out the front lawn and tossed out in the street. That's where this piece of garbage belongs, is out there in the street. That's where he comes from. He comes from the gutters of society. People like him. He's not the only one. He's not the only one. But he's out there talking this nonsense. Oh, we're going to provide aid directly to the people of Afghanistan. Oh, yes, the Taliban are really going to see to that, aren't they? It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, first of all, it sounds like every other military engagement we've been in and uh, ended up, you know, uh, pulling out over whatever uh, this same system happens. We, we, we basically get the populace uh, dependent upon our, uh, our aid um, and empower warlords, terrorists, whatever. Um, the same difference. Interesting as well. Sounds somewhat familiar. Like... Uh, some of the plans where basically you're going to have to send some of your basically wealth of your nation to these developing countries to get them on their feet. And how exactly we're we supposed to do that? Because we're passing like three and a half trillion now. Just well, because why not? Right. We're passing three and a half trillion. They got another six trillion coming behind that. We threw nine trillion at the covid problem under Trump his last days. We've spent nine trillion dollars in Afghanistan already. That's the number they don't tell you. Oh, no, we only spent $120 billion in there. Does anybody really believe that? Try $9, 10000000000000 trillion. That's what we were spending in there. Now we're just pulling that on, uh, on a whim out of the Congress. And we're doing that because the Federal Reserve Bank is expanding their balance sheet by trillions now per week. He says, when it comes to our economic and development assistance with the Taliban, that will be about the Taliban's actions? Sir, they're out there beating women senselessly in the street with sticks and pipes and stones. You've got people that are stuck in country over there. Women are calling out to NGOs saying you have condemned us to death by leaving us in the middle of a medieval cult. It will be about the Taliban's actions. These people, the, these university pencil necks, they don't live in reality. That just, oh man, that burns me up. It's been made pretty clear over the years what the Taliban's intentions are. And might I remind you that uh, Islamists, those that adhere to Sharia, treaties are used to slow or curb fighting long enough for them to build up their military force again and then conquer the nation they have a treaty with. It is never used as a means to create allies or uh, to enter peace talks. It is a diversion always. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says that the um, the Biden administration is expecting the Taliban to keep their word. <laughs> Do you want to know what I think is going to happen here? I think because you're hearing all about this ISIS-K, ISIS-K, ISIS-K crap, right? That's what you're hearing about. They need to create another boogeyman for an asymmetric threat. 
because you've got a resistance group they've now created in the north. You've got the Taliban who have seized Kabul, and you've got now this ISIS-K who's a rogue group that everybody hates, right? Oh, no, they don't hate each other. They all have a common enemy. Understand that. So they've now created this uh, this rogue group. This is going to give the corrupt interest in the West cover to fund the Taliban. That's what it's going to do. Okay, 9-11's coming up. And we got a couple things on 9-11, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of segue from this. But 9-11's coming up. The 9-11 family members are trying to keep Joe Biden from speaking at any of the memorials. You know, it's traditional for a U.S. president to go to one of these memorial sites. Uh, I think Trump went to Pennsylvania one year and he went to New York another year and they all speak at these different sites on 9-11. The families of the ones that were slain on that day are now trying to put a stop to Biden making a speech at any of these memorial sites. And rightfully so. The son of a bitch doesn't belong anywhere near these places, anywhere near them at all. Tucker Carlson interviewed one person, uh, one family member who is making the case uh, and saying that the, the families don't want him to visit any of these memorial sites. Let's listen to this. Well, nearly 2000 survivors of 9-11 20 years ago, as well as first responders and the family members of many of the victims have just sent a message to Joe Biden. They don't want Biden to attend memorial events commemorating 9-11 unless he declassifies American intelligence documents detailing what the government knew about 9-11 before 9-11. That's uh -huh. still classified for some reason. Brett Eagleson is one of those 9-11 family members who joins us tonight. Brett lost his father on 9-11. Brett, thanks so much for coming on. It's hard to believe that as we approach the 20-year anniversary, the U.S. government, through all these different administrations, has continued to hide intel about what it knew before 9-11. Why are they hiding this? Do you have any good theories? Tucker, I don't know the answer to that, and I wish somebody would provide it to us. But the justification for a government secrecy itself is classified. So uh, the government has invoked what's known as the state secrets principle on all documents related to Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11. And the justification for that principle itself is classified. So yeah. it's just, it's painstakingly um, hard for us as family members to be 20 years on and still be begging our government for closure. We have begged um, everyone. We have we have met with, with senators from both sides of the aisle. We have begged from administration to administration. And the U.S. government have abandoned Americans in Afghanistan just like they're abandoning the 9-11 families. And it's, it, it's, it's a really hard... Uh, thing to come to terms with, Tucker, is that your government doesn't have your back. We've been fighting. Right. I've been on your show a handful of times, and thank you for covering this, by the way. I've oh, been I'm on furious, CNN. Bro. I've been... I. It's just astonishing to me, Tucker, why our government fails to release this information. And the message to President Biden remains that unless you honor your campaign promise to us, don't bother coming to 9-11 because we refuse to go through another ceremony where a political leader stands up and says that how much 9-11 means to them and how much they grieve for us and how important it is, yet behind closed doors thwart us, thwart our efforts and thwart closure. Uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me is they begged. Maybe it's time you stop begging and you start demanding. Yeah. Well, there's a reason they haven't released that information. The last night that Jeb Bush was on the debate stage for his presidential campaign. Donald Trump, who was standing in the center of that stage that night, said, why doesn't Jeb Bush tell us about his family's involvement on 9-11? The next day, Jeb Bush dropped out of the race. 
Shortly after that, he made a statement to the press. No one made any hints to it or anything like that. Someone asked him about, uh, someone was asking him about, uh, you know, his family and things of that nature. And he says, I love my dad and I'd go to prison for him. Well, Jeb, you may have to. You may have to. But Never going to happen. Yeah, but we know that the Saudis are, well, they have a good arrangement with the Western elites, don't they? For oil, you see. They have a good arrangement with the banking establishment, don't they? Let's look at one prominent banking establishment, shall we? Let's look at the Rockefeller Foundation. Everybody knows that. We've been mentioning them here quite frequently. They've been putting their name on a lot of these papers that are out there surrounding the COVID passport. Let's take a look at that. Let's go back to John D., right? John D. Rockefeller. Oil tycoon, right? Standard Oil? That's where he got his money? Or did he? If you look back at how he got his money, just a history lesson for you that anybody can go and look this up. John D. Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan. Everybody knows J.P. Morgan. Yeah. J.P. Morgan Chase. Two New York bankers. They got their funds by selling junk bonds of utility companies, mining companies, railroad companies. They sold fraudulent securities to people from companies that they knew were going to go bust. That's how they made their fortunes. And then Rockefeller invested in oil. Well, obviously, we don't have uh, standard oil around anymore, do we? So we're having to broker deals with the Saudis, right? If you go back to the Gulf War, Operation Desert Storm, I was a young kid when that happened. What did we do? Yes, we went after, uh, what's his name? Uh, Saddam Hussein and all that stuff. But what did we actually do? Our job was to protect the oil fields in the kingdom of Saud. That was our job. We put all of our troops in Saudi Arabia. Okay, well, we're there to protect our oil interests. This man is asking why the government hasn't declassified the documents related to 9-11. Well, it's because of Saudi involvement. Well, if you start looking at Saudi involvement, then you're going to end up with banking involvement, aren't you? You have the connection all the way back to the Gulf War. You've got the connection to 9-11. The more I thought about it, yesterday I mentioned an interview that I once heard of a gentleman by the name of Aaron Russo. He's a film producer. He also ran for governor of the state of Nevada, I believe it was. And uh, he started the Constitution Party in the United States, which that's still a recognized political party today. Not very many members. I think maybe 100,000 nationwide, I think. Not sure. Side issue. doesn't matter. But I said that in that interview that I listened to, he developed a very close personal relationship with one of the Rockefellers. And I, I said Nelson Rockefeller. I, I, I made a mistake. It was actually Nicholas Rockefeller. I heard it a long time ago. It was over 10 years ago. I heard the interview. So I was just trying to do it from memory off the top of my head. So I got a name wrong. There was a Nelson Rockefeller, but it was a different one. It was someone else I read about in a different line of that family tree. But anyway, I found the interview of Russo talking about that relationship with Nicholas Rockefeller. He gave the interview in 2008. I had to go all the way back uh, to there to actually find it. And it was very difficult to find, but I found it. And I'm going to play it. And he talks about 9-11. And he also talks about what we're seeing now with the digital movement of your identity. Now, mind you, this is back in 2008 when he gives this interview. What were you back then? You're called a crazy kook a year ago for saying that COVID passports even exist. What were you in 2008? Some of the things that he talks about, you would think the man is giving an interview today. This interview is 10 minutes long. I'm not going to interrupt. I'm going to play it in its entirety here. And you, as the listener, you make up your own mind about what he's saying and where we are. Uh, the ultimate goal that these people have in mind is the goal to um, create a one world government run by the banking industry, run by the bankers, where, and, and they're doing it in sections. The, the European currency, the euro, and, and the European constitution is one part of it. Now they're trying to do it in America with the North American Union. 
right? And they want to create a new currency called the Amero, right? And uh, the whole the, the whole agenda is to create a one world government where everybody has an R, R, an RFID chip implanted in them. All money is to be um, in those chips, right? There'll be no more cash. And this is giving me straight from Rockefeller himself. This is what they want to accomplish. And all money will be in your chips. And so, any so not, instead of having cash, anytime you have money in your in your in your chip, they can take out whatever they want to take out whenever they want to. If they say you owe us this much money in taxes, they just deduct it out of your chip digitally. Total control. Total control. And if you're like me or you, and you're protesting what they're doing, they can just turn off your chip. And you have nothing. You can't buy food. <laughs> you can't do anything. It's total control of the people. And that chip's connected to a database that has your purchasing records, what you do, what everything. You sell. Everything is in there, you know. And so they they want a one world government, controlled by them. Everybody being chipped. All your money in those chips, and they control the chips, and they control people, and you become a slave. You become a serf to these people. That's their goal. That's their intentions. Eric, can you be specific about when you met Rockefeller, how it happened in these discussions? I met Rockefeller through a female attorney I knew who called me up one day and said, uh, one of the Rockefellers would like to meet you. I had made a video called Mad as Hell, and uh, he'd seen the video and wanted to meet me and knew I was running for governor of Nevada. So sure, I'd love to meet him. And I met him, and I liked him, and uh, uh, he was a very, very smart man. And uh, we used to talk and share ideas and thoughts. And um, he's the one who told me uh, 11 months before 9-11 ever happened that there was going to be an event. Never told me what the event was going to be, but there was going to be an event. And out of that event, uh, we were going to invade Afghanistan to run uh, pipelines from the Caspian Sea. We were going to invade Iraq, you know, to take over the oil fields, establish a base in the Middle East, and make it all part of the New World Order. And we'd go after Chavez in Venezuela. And uh, sure enough, later 9-11 happened. And I remember he was telling me how <laughs> how you're going to see soldiers looking in caves for people in, in uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan and all these places and it's and there's going to be this war on terror uh, which is no real enemy and the whole thing is a giant hoax you know but it's a way for the government to take over the American people he told you it was going to be a hoax oh yeah oh yeah there's no question he says there's going to be war on terror and he's laughing there's no <laughs> who are we fighting I mean why do you think 9-11 happened and then nothing's happened since then do you think that our security is so great here that these people who pulled off 9-11 who were able to, can't knock down another plane? Come on, it's ridiculous. 9-11 was done by people in our own government and our own banking system to perpetuate the fear of the American people into subordinating themselves to anything the government wants them to do. That's what it's about, and to create this, war, this endless war on terror, and that's why we. And that was the first lie, and the next lie was going into Iraq, you know, uh, to uh, get Saddam Hussein out with his weapons of mass destruction. That was the next lie. Now, now specifically, this was a little over six years ago. 
This was uh, eleven months before nine eleven. Yeah. And Nick Rockefeller, he's a lawyer. He is he he's become your friend over the previous years, and he's saying to you that there's going to be this big event, and then out of that we're going to have a war on terror, and it's just going to go on and on. Right. An endless war on terror without, without any real enemy. That you can never so you can never define a winner. And, and uh, did he say that it's going to be perfect because you can't define an enemy? It just goes yeah, on. Yeah, because you can't define a winner. There's no one who is on to beat, so it goes on and on forever. And they can do whatever they want. They scare the hell out of the American public. Look, this whole war on terror is a fraud. It's a farce. It's very difficult to say it out loud because people are intimidated against saying it. Because if you say it, they want to make you into a nutcase. Let's but the truth, but the truth has to be. The truth has to come out. That's why I'm doing this interview. The fact of the matter happens to be that the whole war on terror is a fraud. It's a farce. The yeah, there's a war going on in Iraq because we invaded Iraq and people over there fighting. You know, but the war on terror, it's a joke. You know, and until we discover what really happened on 9/11. And who was responsible for 9-11? Because that's where the war on terror emanates from. That's where it comes from. It was 9-11 that allowed this war on terror to begin. And until we get to the bottom root of 9-11, the truth of 9-11, we'll never know about the war on terror. Aaron, you said that he was, and I think it's important, and I know this about the Rockefellers, from Dr. Dennis Cuddy and many others, who literally, he'll be 20 years old in the lunch line at college, and no, was David Rockefeller. And he hears here, I mean, they're experts at recruiting and getting what they call players, and that clearly he was, I mean, I want to make it specific and just get you to reiterate what you said last night. Uh, about you were, you got 30% of the vote, you were having an effect, you 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 made mad as hell, they knew that you'd started the Constitution Party, yeah. they knew that you were uh, somebody who was taking action and getting things done, you already made some big films, had a lot of other successes, right. so they were trying to recruit you, and, and, and didn't it come down to the point of, hey, we are here to recruit you, and don't worry, your chip's going to say, don't mess with us, you know, this guy's, uh, don't touch. Yeah, yes, that did happen, now, I was definitely being recruited, but it's more Settled than that. Well, in your words, just go through the process, and then, and then what he said. Well, well, what it is is, I, remember, we were friends, and we used to have. He used to go to my house a lot. We'd have dinner, we'd talk, and he'd, he'd tell me about business investments. How you get involved in, you know? Or they would help me with this business investment or that business investment. And was I interested in joining the Council on Foreign Relations? You know, I would have to get a letter to join them. But was I interested in that? And uh, you know, just uh, just stuff, you know leading you on and, and uh, I used to say to him that I never really did that because well, that wasn't where I was coming from you know as much as I like you Nick you know your ways and my ways were, the, were on the opposite side of the fence you know I don't believe in enslaving people you know and um and he would come back with, oh, I do? Or? Well, it would be more like, you it's know... It's better for them. Well, it's more like, you know, um... How do I put it? It was like, what do you care about them? What do you care about those people? What difference does it make to you? Take care of your own life. Do the best you can for you and your family. What do the rest of the people mean to you? They don't mean anything to you. They're just serves. They're just people. You know, it was it was just a lack of caring, you know, and that's just not who I was. It was just sort of like cold, you know, it was just like cold, you know, and uh, I used to say to him, what, what's the point of all this? You have all the money in the world you need, you have all the power you need, what's the point? You know, what's the end goal? And he said the end goal is to get everybody chipped. 
to control the whole society. To have the, to have the bankers, the, the elite people, you know, the bankers and some governor controlling the world. And, and, and I said, do all the people in the Council on Foreign Relations believe this way you do? He said, no, no, no. You know, it, 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 most of them believe they're doing the right thing. A lot of them believe it's better, it's better off being socialistic. You know, we have to convince people that capitalism, that socialism is really capitalism. Because America's becoming a socialist country. It's a communist country today. Well, one of the things they told me was that um, he brought, we were, he's at the house one night, and uh, we were talking, he would talk, and he started laughing. He said, Aaron, what do you think women's liberation was about? And uh, I said, I, I had pretty conventional thinking about it at that point. I said, I think it's about women having the right to work, getting equal pay with men, just like they won the right to vote, you know? And he started to laugh. He said, you're an idiot. And I said, why am I an idiot? He said, you want me, let me tell you what that was about. We, the Rockefellers, funded that. We funded Women's Lib, you know? And we're the ones who got all over the newspapers and television, the Rockefeller Foundation. He says, and you want to know why? He said, there were two primary reasons. And they were, one reason was, we couldn't tax half the population before Women's Lib. And the second reason was, now we get the kids in school at an early age. We can indoctrinate the kids how to think. It breaks up their family. The, the kids start looking at the state as the family, as the school, as the officials, as their family, not as the parents teaching them. And so those are the two prim primary reasons for women's love, which, which I thought up to that point was a noble thing. You know, when I saw their intentions behind it, where they were coming from when they created it, the thought of it, I saw, I saw the evil behind what I thought was a noble adventure. What do you think? Definitely a different perspective on things. It paints the road back to the banking establishment. You asked what they're not telling us. They're not telling us what we already know. I mean, uh, his his point about um, the, the the women's rights movements, the uh, women's libs, mm -hmm. equal pay, equal you know opportunity, all that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because half the population wasn't being taxed. Totally believable. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that I, I could say, yeah, for sure. Sure. Uh, and then the rest of the stuff he's talking about, you know, for example, with 9-11, I can see his point in perspective. But just like saying that there was WMDs, we don't have any proof of it right now, right? Because right. we don't have the documentation. Mm -hmm. That well, said, the documentation we have that we could link it with is being classified, kept classified, which is what right. the gentleman exactly. was talking about on on Tucker, right? And that's that that is um uh, that's what I'm I'm referencing. But that said, it still makes sense nonetheless. What he's saying. So and the COVID uh, passports, yeah. you could substitute that with chips at this moment because that's where they're headed with it. That's where they're headed with it. They are on track to do that. And the reason I say they're on track to do that is the next clip I'm going to play. They're on track to do it because of the people that they have, like he was talking about, the people that they recruit. That that pipsqueak that's out there, that Jake Sullivan, that, that idiot, that's somebody that they recruited. They go into the universities. They get you when you're 20 years old, 25 years old. They recruit you into these uh, into these institutions where you get taken care of like that. But you're going to do their bidding. That's why we're seeing the agenda being played out. Klaus Schwab is a front for the banks. He was put there because he will carry out the agenda that they want. 
and he'll stick his name on it to make it look like he is the one that is behind it, when in fact he's not. He's a front man. And the reason I say they're rocketing towards this, whatever he was talking about, chips, okay, I'm not, I'm not to that point yet. That is coming, not in the next 12 months or even 24 months. We're a few years away from that. Elon Musk, they're already working on implantables. That's coming. That is coming. But the COVID passports are a step in the direction that they want to go. When the information came out from the World Health Organization about the infrastructure that needs to be created for the digital ID system, why do you think the Gates Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation put their names on it? Because that is what Russo was talking about. That is what they're after. That is who people like Schwab are working for. Listen to Klaus Schwab last year. It's at the end what what the fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. Our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. Exactly what the banking establishment wants. So the interview we were just listening to, they were just saying RFID chips, which totally doable. Uh, we've experimented with it. There's companies that actually use that now for your, your your credit cards. Like my my credit cards have them. My bank cards have yeah, them. Yeah, no, no, no. My, I mean, my ID actual cards implanted. Have them. Oh, implanted. Um, okay, actual yeah. implants. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, we 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 actually there, there's companies that actually use those um, now for you know accessing doors, you know those kind of things. That side of things is not that that is not a long shot at all. In fact, I remember. Um, the, some of the end times stuff I, I've studied into and whatnot over the years. It was about 2008, 2010, about that time that I remember. Was it was it 2008? When when was uh, when was Obamacare? When was that first talked about? Uh, they tried to ram it through early in 06, right when he took office, but it came okay. it came later. Okay, so it was it was around that time then when when Obamacare was first being talked about. And we were first getting looks into what was in Obamacare. There was some stuff in there about RFID chips, uh, implantables, that kind of thing. And I remember some of the end times preachers were talking about it because they were like, dude, this is really looking close to the mark of the beast. You guys mm -hmm. just be aware. And uh, you so get I, I remember you wouldn't get care if you didn't have a chip. It actually yeah. said that in the Obamacare bill. And what are they saying now? What do you have the politicians, the corrupt bought off politicians? What do you have them saying now in the mainstream media? Oh, if you don't take a vaccine, you don't get health care. Yeah. Same thing, just a different situation instance. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's Russo, not far. It's not far. Russo talked there at the end about you know, women's emancipation movement. And I mean, that that's no secret that the Rockefeller Foundation funded that all those years ago. They funded Planned Parenthood. They helped it get it off the ground with Margaret Sanger. That's not debatable. That's mainline history. Anybody can go and look that up. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was brought in and recruited through the Rockefeller Foundation. She talked about that. Her work that she did at the Rockefeller Foundation and the work that she did involving Planned Parenthood, the connections are there. But he said, what we're going to do is we're going to get into the kids in the education system. You know, that's that's what Nicholas Rockefeller told him. He says, we're going to get into the, the kids in the education system and we're going to break up their families. You see, this is why we have things like the Sherman Antitrust Act to break up companies. You hear the term robber barons because these companies back in the day, Rockefeller, Standard Oil, right? Rockefeller, they were becoming so powerful, they were actually getting into everything. They were getting into education, they were getting into healthcare, they were getting into churches, they were getting into culture, all of it, the media, everything. And so they had to be stopped. 
we have ignored and turned a blind eye and actually given these companies liability protection, like the big tech companies. Two the vaccine 30, companies. The vaccine company, the, the tech companies, they need to be revoked. This 230 needs to be revoked. Facebook, and I'm going to sound horrible here because I'm a free market guy and it, it pains me to say this. Facebook, Twitter, Google, all these companies, they need to be seized. And I, I mean seized, shut down, broken up, and sold off. That's what has to happen. But I want to play a clip here. If you don't think that these private foundations, these private banking foundations are not influencing what your children are getting in school, listen to this. Go back, if you will, for me, to 2013. Melissa Harris-Perry on a commercial that was published by MS. NBC. What does MSNBC stand for? Microsoft. Bill Gates. Listen to this promo. We have never invested as much in public education as we should have because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Once it's everybody's responsibility and not just the households, then we start making better investments. You see, once we break through this private idea that kids belong to their parents and it becomes everybody's responsibility, and these are our children raised by the state, well, then we can make better investments, can't we? You ask, Bruce, again, what are they not telling us? They're not telling us what we already know. The only thing they're not doing is they're not actually saying it. They haven't actually told people outright yet. Even though they technically have at the same time, they're, they're, they've told us they're just... Um not reminding us because the American people are goldfish. I also found this article today that when I was uh, trying to research and uh, go back and, and look at other things, I found this article from uh, back in April. The World Health Organization says it is against requiring vaccine passports for travel. <laughs> but yet they they just released a paper two days ago from the Bill and Melinda Gates, excuse me, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation. And obviously they stuck their name on it. The the, uh, the World Health Organization, they stuck their name on it. So they obviously endorse it. But yet back in April, they're saying, oh, no, we're, we're against requiring vaccine passports for travel. You're shaking your head, Bruce. I, I think it's infighting. I, I think there's parts of the WHO that are like, no, this is wrong. We can't do this. And there's other parts of it that are on board with the agenda and are, are pushing forward. It's just like the FDA. Two of the people on the FDA board quit yesterday because of the thing involving the boosters. The details weren't made public, but two of the people walked. My guess would be for what you're just talking about there is there's end fighting going on. People saying, look, I'm, I'm not going to be part of this. I don't want to be part of this. Just like uh, Lieutenant Colonel Shilner, who said, I want accountability by these leaders. I, I don't want to be any part of this anymore. I, I'm done in the military. I, I'm finished. You're seeing it everywhere. Now's the time. I told you uh, uh, I told you two months ago, I said, we are now entering the time in history when you start seeing people pick sides. You will see the double, triple, quadruple crosses. You will see it now. It will happen and it will get worse. It will get worse. This gets worse before it gets better. You ask, well, how much worse can it get? Well, these people have no bottom to them. None. And when I say they have no bottom, they have absolutely positively no shame in anything that they have done. As a matter of fact, they'll continue on with the lunacy and the propaganda and the degeneracy 
and the insane asylum that they are dragging us along with because they are dying. That class of people is dying. They're trying to take us down with them. But see, they still have their propaganda arms. They still have their propaganda arms. They have very good propaganda arms. But there are those of us that are intelligent enough to be able to see through it. Bruce, let me ask you a question. How do you feel? This goes to, this goes to a larger point. How do you feel about Dr. Anthony Fauci through the COVID crisis? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about him and, and the decisions that he's made? All the clips and all the audio and all the flip-flopping and everything that we've played here of him. What is your opinion as an American citizen, as a U.S. taxpayer? What is your opinion of Dr. Anthony Fauci and how he has handled the COVID-19 crisis? In one word, angry. Angry. Okay. All right. Angry. Do you think that he is a hero? <laughs> Uh, it depends on the perspective of which you're looking at him. Uh, if you're looking at it for as an American, as uh, freedom and for the Constitution, liberty. Uh, no, this is like one of the worst villains we've had in a long time. Uh, if you're looking at it from the perspective of, well, the Rockefeller Foundation, then he's an effective pawn. He is. Again, he's another he's another front man to, ca to carry that out. So it would make sense. Right. And. What do people that have been backed into a corner like Fauci has been backed into a corner again? Don't forget. Don't forget that he and everything that he represents and the establishment that he represents got caught in the U.S. Senate. Don't forget that. You notice nothing has been said about that since that happened. Everything's been spinning out of control at a thousand miles an hour since then. You're getting booster shots. You're getting a collapsed geopolitical nightmare in the Middle East. Our citizens are trapped. You've now created a terrorist super state all because they got caught. And now they've got all these variants they're kicking back up. Oh, there's a new one today. It's called the Moo variant. They're kicking that one out. Australia's being uh, being threatened with a South African variant that no one else is hearing about. But do we have a savior in our midst? Do we have a savior? Do we have someone who has been at the center of this crisis since its inception that has done everything in his power to try and save as many lives as possible through this time of crisis? And has he been turned into a villain? through all of it. As Bruce said, you're you're very angry. Yeah, you're very angry. Well, a lot of people are very angry at the decisions I mean, that this, this man has made. National Geographic would agree with you. They would. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have that new trailer here, and I'm going to play it now. Of And this is not a joke. This is not a joke. I swear this is not a joke. This is the actual trailer that was released today from National Geographic about the documentary film that they are making on the sainted Dr. Anthony Fauci. God help us. When I think about my dad growing up, I certainly think about that seriousness and wanting to do the right thing. At the same time, very few people get to see. <laughs> He's funny, weird, and really playful. You can't take everything seriously because then you'll start thinking that you're something that you're not. I loved clinical medicine. The idea of discovery and having an impact on people. That's what really captured me. I grew up in a somewhat tough neighborhood in Brooklyn. The culture is that you didn't get intimidated by a lot of things. When someone attacks, I don't immediately fight back. 
It's nothing personal, it's strictly business. In 1981, HIV AIDS was evolving rapidly and frighteningly. There was anger at the response. We accused Tony of causing those deaths. Finally, I put myself into their shoes. That's when I started to really reach out. It was pretty much the first and only time I think anybody in government came to us. That changed everything. When you got sick, you were gone fast. It was so frustrating when you're used to fixing things and you're just not really fixing anything. It's affecting you now. Yeah. Why? Um, Post-traumatic stress syndrome. When COVID hit, he became this target. My dad said, we're going to get through this whole thing. And he's held that. We're seeing upticks again, and nobody's hearing from you. I don't understand the hate that people have. These people are really, really getting bad. I mean, you know, they're harassing my daughters constantly, which bothers me more than anything else. We heard about what he went through in the HIV AIDS pandemic, like seeing signs, Fauci's a murderer. And I remember asking him, like, is this actually what it was like? His response was, you can't even compare the two. This is so beyond the beyond. Fauci says, here are the facts, and here's my recommendation for a way forward. He becomes the size of the challenge he faces each time. If you're a public servant, you don't do it because you want to make money. You don't do it for the glory. You do it because you care. When you're involved in a race to stop a horrible disease, you always feel you're not doing things quickly enough. See, Bruce, this man's a hero. This man is a hero. How can you sit there and you you can say with a straight face that you have anger towards this man who was trying to save as many lives as possible? He doesn't do it for money, right? It, it's <laughs> not it's not Sorry. about money. Yeah. And he, he's the most well-paid federal official in America. He gets paid more than the president. Uh-huh. It, but it's not about money. You see, this is just like the propaganda that they put out in China. I would expect something like this out of China. This is where I would expect this kind of this level of propaganda. That's where I would expect this from. Fauci gets caught funding and creating this monster and exacerbating this problem 10 times over on the world, not just America, but on the world as a front man, as a front man. He gets caught, the establishment's exposed, then you become a victim. They're creating the smoke screen because the election audit reports are coming. That's coming. I don't care how many countries you collapse. That's coming. That's another reason they're doing this. All of that's coming out. We need to find out what happened at that lab in Wuhan. As we, the people, we need to find out what happened at that lab. We need to find out what happened on November 3rd. As we, the people, we need to find that out. We need to find out what happened on 9-11. As we, the people, all of this is connected. We just made all the connections. We connected all the dots for you today. I spent hours today digging all this stuff up. You make up your own mind as to what you think we need to examine as we the people over the last two and a half, three, hell, even four decades of being lied to by the establishment that is dying a horrible, horrible death and trying to drag us down with it. All right, we're out of time, so we are going to have to go. All right, for those of you who have not subscribed to our Telegram channel, get over there and get signed up to us. We do put out all of our podcasts we do here every day, and we do also put out an exclusive podcast once a week just for our Telegram subscribers, so get over there and get signed up to us. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. 
and we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we'd appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating when you get a chance, we'd appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that's it for today. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.